Yeah. Like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, I related Hello and welcome back to Film Soliloquy The podcast where we trade movies and make each other watch them And then we get to review them and yada yada yada. My name is Jeff, and I'm Jason. He is Jason. That's him. Yep, mm-hmm. he's Jason. Yeah, All right. Me. Well, uh, well, the good news is is that uh, we both get to review a movie this week. I don't have to ever sit through the Hangover Part Three again. What a great day that today is. <laughs> so let's just let's just. I have you listened to that review yet? No, not yet. Okay, well, you can't. The movie is that bad that you can't even listen to me review it. Okay, it's horrible. (laughs) I mean, it's not one of my favorite films for sure, and I'm glad I gave it to you, so you're, you know, you have a great disdain for it. And I'm sure it's great for the the listening audience, and I will definitely partake on uh, tonight's adventure. Uh, Listen to it before I go to sleep. Cool. Well, uh, <laughs> let's jump right in. So we have I two go movies first. to review. Hell yeah. I want to go first. Okay. You're, I'll step back then. Listen. Okay. Mm, let me. Uh, who, who suggested this bullshit? I mean, cut that out right quick. <clears throat> no, that's staying in. <laughs> PG-13. <laughs> Man. This, so, All right, okay, so this movie is something that I saw a lot as... A, a teenager. I went and saw it in the theater. And Scott uh, from Budget Arcade, you know, lifelong friend of mine, he reminded me that I had seen this and wondered if you had seen it. Man, you know damn well I ain't seen this movie. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Nah, so this movie is virtuosity. I mean, when you tell me the cast, it sounds pretty good. Like you got Denzel right? Washington, you got Russell Crowe. Uh, you got William Forsythe, which I only know him from Blue Streak, and I love him on Blue Streak. Um, you know, he's pretty good on that. <clears throat> Man, so this movie was released in, uh, what, 1995, and uh, it, definitely, uh, it definitely didn't age well, in my opinion. But anyway, so uh, this movie follows uh, Lieutenant Parker Barnes, who is played by Denzel Washington, and he tries to track down this Got the serial killer that's like made up, man. He's like a computer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> his his module number is Sid six point seven, and he's basically created by this sadistic programmer who's there's he doesn't even in the in the thing he doesn't even show like any motivation of why he did this. He just I don't know. It's kind of like if I want to quote the Dark Knight, he just wants to see the world burn. I guess. I mean, there's no motivation of why he wanted to put all these personalities into this one module and then release him upon the world through artificial uh creation through some genetic testing and some bullshit man golly this movie's so horrible everyone everyone's (laughs) following very well right now uh so if i may Go ahead. The reason Sid 6.7, you've skipped a lot. Okay. So the Listen, reason Sid I mean, 6.7 I, I was is... Gonna go, I was going to go back, but I wanted to get that out of my chest right quick. I got a lot okay, of Okay, all right. Go ahead. Then, I, then I, will, I will fill in the blanks as necessary. I'll back down. Go ahead. Anyway, all right. So let me start from the beginning. All right. So <clears throat> Denzel Washington's character, you think he's a cop. He's in this virtual reality world, and they're doing some testing, and I, I may have missed it. Anyway, so he's doing this testing. And oh my god, this movie's so terrible! I can't even get <laughs> I can't it out. Believe, I can't believe you hate it this much. Like <laughs> it's a, it's an action movie. At the very least, it's an action movie. Like when everyone, uh, all the cops miss, everyone can't shoot. <laughs> they can't fire okay, their weapons I'm properly. So, I'm sorry. Go anyway. <laughs> anyway, so he's in this virtual reality world. He's he's actually a I actually kind of like his backstory. All right, he used to be a cop, and now he's a conf- 
convicted murder selling uh, murderer um, who has been sentenced to 16 years imprisonment. And through many, many flashbacks, and this is told throughout several flashbacks that take the duration of the entire movie to get the damn thing out. Yes. Basically, what happened is uh, this one killer, uh, I think, is what was his name? Um, is it Don? I, I, I forgot the, the actual killer's name. Um, I might cut it in here or something. Anyway, so. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, anyway, so he, he actually imprisons. Um, Denzel Washington's family, his wife and his daughter, puts them because he's a political activist who's who likes to murder people um, for stage. Anyway, so he, he locks him up. He puts a bomb in a room and Denzel Washington fights through it. He finds where they are, fights through it, open the door and the kid and his wife blow up. Um, the room blows up in this magnificent explosion. You can see the effing. Uh, string attached to the back of Denzel Washington's back as it pulls him back. They didn't even CG that thing out good enough. <laughs> there was no... I don't know where the budget for this film went to. And they probably spent all their money on that explosion. Anyway, you can clearly see the damn string attached to his back, pulling him back. It's horrible. I... Oh, Jesus. Anyway, blows his arm off, which... They do a bad job of that too. You can clearly see he just has his hand behind his back with some blood. Her squirt. <laughs> <laughs> so Denzel Washington goes around, and there's film camera crew uh, filming um, the sadistic murderer, political murderer, or whatever he is. I don't so he's filming him. Denzel Washington goes over there, seeks his revenge, killing all his henchmen, kills him, and then these dumbass reporters. Uh, turn a uh, turn a blind corner, put the camera on him, and he blasts him too. I did the same thing, man. I mean, come on, man. Like, what the hell? Yeah. You <laughs> you gonna get shot? <laughs> so that's why he's serving uh, he's a sixteen year sentence. I assume it's manslaughter. Um, it's not no second degree murder or third degree murder or anything like that. It's manslaughter. So that's why he's serving the sentence. Um, they he's in the the prison system is abysmal, man. Um tell you on that it's like i don't know everyone has a phone book in their jail cell they can rip up and throw pieces of paper about that so he's walking down to like the, they put him in the wrong cell block and like everybody's like yelling the entire time in the cell block and they're throwing, I guess, newspapers? I don't know, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, dude, it's supposed to be the future. Everyone still has a phone book? Come on, man. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's just basically to show that he's not liked. Um, no one likes him on a cell block. The cops don't like him because he used to be an ex-cop that killed innocent people. I mean, it's just basically selling that his, his life sucks, man. And, and it truly does. Anyway, um, yada, 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 some stuff happens. Um, <laughs> wow. uh, <laughs> Try not no. to be too thorough, okay? <laughs> no, nah, so what happens is this sadistic programmer uh, tricks this one guy. Golly, I'm terrible at these names. You know what? I had it. I had this review envisioned in my head going better, but uh, now that it's coming out, it's, 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 it's coming out the way I enjoyed this movie. Terrible. So he tricks this one guy who is into, and I, I forgot all the technical terms they use in the movie, but they build android bodies, right? Um, that can manufacture themselves. If they get injured, they can use um, the molecular molecules of glass to re-engineer themselves. And they show a great demonstration of that where he gets some type of small ass anaconda and cuts his tail off. And then uh, he takes the anaconda and puts them near glass and, he restructures his tail back. Uh, this one guy who builds all that technology is infatuated with one of these uh, programs called Sheila 3.2. And uh, I mean, she's just freaky, man. You know, she liked to do some things for a piece of change, stuff like that. And he wants in it. <laughs> I mean, he's all about it. He wants to create this person in. This dude, like, he takes the chip of Sid 6.7 and puts it into module of Sheila 3.2. So it appears that. He's creating um, Sheila, but he's really creating Sid. And the dude, like you can see this capsule, it kind of looks like a cocoon of, you know, like a, you know how like. It looks exactly like a cocoon. 
Yeah, I mean, you've seen Terminator, and that shit was made in like the '80s or some shit like that. I don't know, and it looked way better than this. <laughs> this is like years <laughs> later, a decade later, and so it's like this nasty ass cocoon. Looks like uh, what's that stupid? What's that? What's that cool movie? Anyway, I forgot. I, was, I forgot. Oh, the movie about. Cocoon. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like this broke ass cocoon. So anyway, the he, his body emerges. And the first stupid ass line of the movie comes where the guy is expecting Sheila and he clearly sees this man and his dingleberries hanging out. It's clearly Russell Crowe, right? Who is Sid 6.7. And she goes, he goes, is that you, Sheila? Or something. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately, immediately dies. I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> duh. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he's, he wants to go around and create carnage. He's if um he's programmed now. A lot of his uh, personalities that are in there are like Adolf Hitler. Uh, I saw Jeffrey Dahmer in there. Um, Charles John Manson. Gacy. Yeah, a whole bunch of like you know sick bastards. Um, that anyway, yeah, yeah, they're just bad personalities. And one of the personalities is the Jeffrey killer Epstein. Oh, he's not that. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, like uh, one of the main one of the killers <clears throat> is um, you know the fake uh, the the character in the movie who killed uh, Denzel Washington's family. He's in there too. The political activist turned you know deadly, <clears throat> and uh, Denzel Washington is convinced that um, that predominant personality is taking over all the other personalities. So you're telling me that he beats out Adolf Hitler? Uh, let me let me pause there, man. Let me let me let me dr- pull in Jeff and fill in some blanks that I missed for the beginning portion of the movie before I hit the middle where there are. The I mean, so far you're good. I can explain the reason that this fictional killer comes to the surface is because it's specifically up against um, Denzel Washington, and it's just pulling that personality forward. It, okay, so there's one scene that you you missed. That we gotta say. So they're doing their training in the virtual reality, and they oh, how they say, that? "How did you know that Sid six point seven was in that restaurant?" And the reason he knows, and he explains, he goes, "He goes colon parentheses," <laughs> oh and then he turns it sideways, and he goes. That's a smiley face. It's what people used to use in the past to sign off on their email. <laughs> Listen, That's how I knew he was in there. <laughs> that is the most stupid. It's so reason. dumb. It was dumb when I saw it as a teenager. Like, me and Scott were laughing like, what? <laughs> Listen, and that whole fight, and I know, I'm, I know I missed it, and I'm, I don't know how I did, but that whole fight when they're in there, where he shoots the gun point blank through that partition, right? Yeah. You can see the shadow. He misses, right? And then mm-hmm. after they all miss and start going through each partition, there his partner, which is another uh, convict, right? Denzel Washington's partner. Uh, they get separated by feet, like merely feet from each other, and the and Russell Crowe, Crowe's character uh, obtains him. Right and kidnaps him. Where the hell is Denzel? Why he's literally like two feet away? Like I immediately when I was watching this, I was thinking of all the times we played Warzone, and one of us get down, then we're feet away from each other, yelling out help, and it just feels like the help never comes. (laughs) 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 That's what. uh, Hey, I was busy. (laughs) Yeah, I was busy eating sushi or some shit. (laughs) That's that's what they're eating in the Warzone. Anyway. Uh, the first big battle exchange, um, you can see how uh, he, he likes to obtain an audience. He goes to some nightclub and he he's making all the, uh, the oh, members, uh, yeah. he's making everyone there scream and record their voice and making an orchestra with it. And Denzel Washington comes in um, after, well, after four cops come in and get obliterated. They're like, hey, freeze. And he just shoots all four of them. I mean, none of them exchange fire with him. It's still like that. So bad. And then Denzel Washington comes and blasts him in the back, which is cool, right? So then it kind of shows the vulnerability um, of Sid 6.7 in that body. Yeah. But And I um, thought of you when that happened because I was like, he better shoot first. Otherwise, Jason's going to be pissed. 
<laughs> I can see, like, if he went up to him and tried to talk to me, like, why wouldn't he just shoot him? <laughs> and so I was glad that Dizel shot him first because I was like, well, all right. Yeah, and then it shows that his uh, he's really, he, I mean, he can take damage, uh, but he's still kind of resistant to bullets. Like, he's still able to, to run around and evade and escape. And then he just repairs himself by, you know, sticking his arm out. And, well, actually, he was he goes into the cop car and he ends up chewing um the this the the shattered glass that's on top of the the, the dashboard and he's chewing it and he's re uh you know re uh, animating himself um and that, that that was pretty cool and uh, uh there's a car chase that's pretty sad um Denzel Washington shooting <laughs> out of the the car and they. I don't know why he had to make some type of maneuver to like fishtail so he can shoot him with a shotgun once in the stomach. Uh, he jumps off a bridge. <laughs> he survives. <laughs> Denzel Washington's mad. <laughs> and then this is where, um, oh, by the way, um, one of his, uh, uh, the person that's tagging along with Denzel Washington is one of the researchers uh, of this program. And she wants to do, she, wants to see a story is she's basically acting as if she's a journalist but she's not it's stupid <laughs> she has no reason to be with him other than yeah uh, other than her just she has a morbid yeah comes other than later yeah other than her morbid curiosity which she should know that uh he knows everything about her and yet she always he, she always leaves her daughter anyway Lo and behold, she gets kidnapped. Big whoop-de-doo, because you knew that shit was going to happen. <laughs> anyway, I know I'm skipping a lot of stuff. Let me just go to the part that no, I hate. Ahead. Let me go to the yeah. part that I hate the most about this film. All right? <clears throat> so, here we go. So, the daughter gets kidnapped. Right? Mm-hmm. And he is... Um, he took over a TV station. Okay? A TV station. And it's Who's basically... He? Um, oh, my bad. So Russell Crowe's character, Sid 6.7, takes over mm-hmm. a TV station and he turns it into murder TV and he wants to murder people on live television. And then he gets his ratings through phone calls. Right. <laughs> right. Because it's the future. <laughs> it's the future. So instead of looking at ratings through the television, you have to get phone calls to appease them. <laughs> or concurrent views on a streaming service. <laughs> Dude, you're watching it. If the uh, anyway, yeah. so the like Denzel Washington's brilliant idea is like make sure whatever you do, cut the phone lines to this building because I know what he wants. He wants to get the views, but the views come through the telephone. It's the weird. <laughs> <laughs> so he's about to murder this guy, right? And the phone lines cut out, and he gets pissed, right? Fine. I don't care. <laughs> that part, I'm like, all right, I can forget about it. All right. It's stupid, but I can forget about it. He he shows on live television. I have to give him like his little monologue of him like having uh, dialogue on how he's going to murder people and he's going to blow up um, this one. This uh, I'm just call her a reporter, even though she's not the reporter's daughter. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna mm. blow her up on live TV, and he puts a uh, clock of two hours in there, and I'm like, shit, I gotta wait another two hours for this film to be over with. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I, dear God, I hope there's some type of movie magic that makes this go faster. Thank hey, God there is. Revenge for all the marathons you give me. <laughs> anyway, so the timer is going off. Got two hours, right? There is uh. Denzel Washington, I forgot how he gets up there, but he, I, oh yeah, that's right. He, Denzel Washington um, gets framed, right? This is another stupid part from at the back up a little oh, bit. Oh, yes. This is yeah. extremely dumb. Yeah. yeah. He gets framed for, uh, so Sid 6.7 takes captive of a, um, a, a hostage on the train station. And he clearly knows or it, it clearly shows and evidence to prove it that Denzel Washington did not kill this innocent bystander. He was killed by Sid 6.7. Yet everyone wants out wants his blood and wants him dead. So all the cops are actually chasing Denzel Washington and six Sid 6.7, but they're mainly focused on Denzel Washington. So <clears throat> when right. so when Denzel Washington starts to storm the TV station tower. 
all the cops are chasing him. So he has to run through these cops, these berate of bullets, and they're magically missing him as well. Uh, he gets through the elevator, presses the button. And I don't know about you, but when I get in the elevator, that shit takes forever to close. His clothes <laughs> instantaneous. And then the cops are like, damn, we missed them. <laughs> this is the future. They got really nice elevators in the future. The encounter Sid, they have a chase and a gunfight. They're shooting at each other. They're climbing up uh, through this tower. And they're he's Sid is just shooting them. They're, they're shooting each other up. Well, shooting at each other. Um, Sid got a bunch of bullet holes in him. And you can clearly see that he's battle damaged. And uh, they're they're fighting on this like corridor, like this uh, scavenger, like kind of like a Scott, like a, a makeshift something. No oh, man, they're, they're just fighting on the roof, fighting on the roof of like the. It looks like the construct that the, they haven't finished the construction on top of the building. Anyway, it's stupid, man. Like Sid's running, he turns around, Denzel Washington cowers behind a pillar. And then they run again, run another 20 feet. They exchange fire. I mean, it's so stupid. Anyway, um, I'm trying to say how I want to say this next. <laughs> <laughs> so they catch up with each other, right? And Denzel Washington uh, jumps uh, like five feet. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not this incredible long jump. He's clearly winded. They're fighting. They're, they're fist of cups, right? And Denzel Washington gets the better of Russell Crowe and throws him over this. What is that? <clears throat> what is that thing called? Like the sky? Like a skylight, I would uh, say. Yeah, like a he throws It's a roof over. made out of glass. Yeah, so he, he throws him over the glass and he falls through it and the shards of glass cut him to pieces, right? Sid 6.7. He throws 6.7 over. He gets cut into pieces. And he goes down there nonchalant. And you can see Sid's like missing both legs, both of his arms. And he's like coughing up this green goo, which is that nanotechnology type of stuff. And like he, Denzel Washington goes over there like he's defeated him. I'm like, bro, do you not see all this effing glass around him? <laughs> this is how the man regenerates. <laughs> So, I'm getting to the part that I hate about this movie the most, right? So, okay. clearly, clearly, um, Russell Crowe regenerates one of his arms quickly and starts to grab the back of Denzel Washington's head and starts to force him down to, you know, to impale him through the throat of the glass while he's starting to regenerate himself. So, Denzel Washington, like, grabs the computer chip, right? That's in the, it's, like, built into his brain. He rips it out. And, it's, and he's defeated him, right? The the arms start regenerating, the legs start regenerating, and he has a chip. And then the the sadistic computer programmer goes, "Hi, you defeated him, but now you'll never know where his daughter is, where her daughter is." And the the mom freaks out, "No, what have you done?" And Denzel Washington kind of looks defeated. And so, mind you, the timer has been going off for two hours, right? So they've been fighting. Mm -hmm. I don't know for like thirty minutes, maybe thirty five minutes. You would assume he has to climb up this. He had to go up the elevator, do a monologue, fight, exchange gunfire, blah, blah, blah. Cops got called. Cops got removed. They're fighting, blah. So let's just assume 35, 45 minutes go by, right? So there's an hour and 15 minutes left, right? <laughs> so, and I'm going to spoiler this part, too, because it's not depicted this way. But basically, um, time gets reverted back. So then they're back on the same roof. And it so happened that Sid defeated the guy this time. He threw Denzel Washington overboard. And already I knew on my own. There is some type of virtual reality again, obviously. Yeah, it's not a secret. <laughs> the movie's not yeah. trying to hide anything. Here. Yeah. And so Sid thinks he's defeated Denzel Washington. He goes over to the mom. He's like, hey, you know, I won, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, where's my daughter? And he's, he's, he's like, well, click your heel three times and uh, she'll appear. And he bangs on the, like, the a ventilation vent right behind her. And she happens to be in that vent. And Denzel Washington appears. It's like, ha, ha, you know, <clears throat> you could take us out. Got him. Yeah. And he's like, what? I'm in the box. <laughs> and uh, all right. So this is where it gets stupid. Okay? So <laughs> he pulls the cop in the real world, pulls out the woman first. Uh, because of the the program, it's like, well, I gotta pull her out first. Uh, we need to make sure she's fine. 
And I'm like, this dumb ass motherfucker is gonna <laughs> listening to this guy. So he pulls her out first. And then while he's like, hey, we need to pull out Denzel Washington now. All of a sudden, he hits this button to activate a chair to push him on the ground. And then he starts beating the hell out of the cop, <laughs> which is William Forsythe. He gets beat. He gets bludgeoned to death. I'm like, are you yeah. serious? And who you're talking about is the guy who created 66.7. Who is, is like this? So the cop. Who's a squirrely guy. Like, right. no muscle in his bones whatsoever. I like his voice. It's, he has a menacing voice. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, so, I mean, he gets overtaken by this squirrely guy with a cane beating him over the head. And I just couldn't believe it. I was dumbfounded. I'm like, how are there not other cops there to assist you? How can you yeah. fall for this stupid trick and get killed? And so Denzel Washington escapes out of it because the, the woman pulls him out before his brain turns into scrambled eggs. And that's something you'll see a couple times, once <laughs> in the beginning and once at the end. <laughs> and so uh, Sid is is locked in there basically forever, right? And so then he's like, well, I know where the location of your daughter is now. Let's go get her. So you telling me uh, the next scene, they fly a helicopter back to that same location, right? Denzel Washington gets out, goes to the ventilation staff, and his mom's about to open the door. He goes, wait, don't do that. I know this booby trap there. And then the cops are like, bomb squad's five minutes away. So you telling me? Are you telling me? <laughs> <laughs> so you telling me, right? Denzel Washington has to do every gosh darn thing in this damn movie by himself. So not only that he fights Sid, pulls out his computer chip, he then has to fly that computer chip, go back to the main building, reprogram an entire city, delete some of the memory of 6.7 so he doesn't remember losing to Denzel Washington, recreate this artificial intelligence arena, have the fight, dis discover where he is, call it in, gets over there by helicopter, flies to the building and there's only like maybe five minutes left so oh an hour and 55 minutes has passed and the bomb squad is still five minutes away <laughs> well the bomb squad didn't know where he was dude you telling me they didn't know where she was so the whole time when he's on his way <laughs> to the building in the helicopter where they're already cops meeting him there the bomb squad is still five minutes away so what you want to tell me yes. is that Marky Mark can yell his name, whipping a gun around in the middle of a basketball game. Nobody says anything because snitches get stitches and you're worried about the bomb squad. The bomb squad. His job is to defuse bombs. And they had two <laughs> They hours. don't know that there's a bomb. They're, they know it's a bomb. They've seen it on national They don't television. know where the bomb is. <sighs> it's so terrible. Anyway, he defuses it. <laughs> He diffuses I'm, it. I'm obviously. only defending it just because it's fun. <laughs> he diffuses it. Obviously, he diffuses it. <laughs> so here's what gets me. This is the part. The diffusal of the bomb is everything he thinks to try. There's a little computer and Sid pops up. Ah, ah, ah. I already thought of that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then time ticks a little faster. And so the way he fixes this is he pulls like a tube. Yeah, he pulls like a fiber, a fiber optic, cyber. fiber optic, fiber optic tube out of his synthetic arm. The most still... gigantic. Are those real? Like, is that are fiber? Like fiber optics, as I know them, are very thin. They're like a little bit thicker than human hair. Yeah, for he sure. pulls <laughs> like a huge tube out, and it's like they're just the size of a. Three... It's like a catheter tube, is what is the head in his arm? It look like he's bigger than that. Better not be. No, sir. <laughs> No, sir. But he pulls it out and he plugs it into this thing, and that's how he deactivates it. It, it makes no sense from a computer standpoint. I don't like, get it. But I need to know what the input and the output is, and he has three choices. Please be right, and obviously he gets it right. I mean, and then boom, movie's over. Yep, that's it. That's it. Yeah, uh, that's it. It's a good, good film. You know, I had uh, so I, I was thinking about it. When I was going to do the review, I had like my, no, I, I didn't have notes. I can't lie. I didn't have notes, but I had it clear, like a clear vision of what I wanted to say and how the movie progressed and how uh, terrible uh, the acting is. 
and all that stuff. Um, Russell Crowe did a pretty good job. He sounds he sounds like a sick bastard for sure. His monologue was kind of cool. Um, his laughs were hysterical and um, scary at the same time. Like Joker-esque. At yeah, a, like a, in a way. Yeah, so I mean, that, that part was pretty cool. But the storyline, the visual effects, like the scene when Denzel Washington gets thrown off the roof by Sid 6.7, you can see the strings mm-hmm. attached to him too. Again, I'm like, <laughs> they are again. <laughs> I mean, they put no effort into that. It's They ain't even Kinda used fishing like line. A, it was black. Like a cheetah. <laughs> Harold and Kumar. Yep. Yeah, that cheetah's that's blatant. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know I skipped over a bunch, but I, that's pretty much the film. No, you I mean, really didn't. You covered it pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you can even read it on Wikipedia, like the plot, and I pretty much covered all of that. And, uh, yeah, it's... Don't... Do yourself a favor. Don't watch this. It's terrible. Don't watch it. I think it's ready How for a letter. terrible is this? a D minus. It's a D minus. <laughs> oh, almost an F. Almost. Almost. So, so what kept it from being an F? It's like good performances, I guess, or? Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured. Yep. I obviously can't argue. That's the whole point. D minus. You hear that, Scott? You're improving. You gave him an F, now a D minus. You just keep giving us these suggestions. We'll get him up to a C sooner or later. <laughs> Movie almost as good as John Wick. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's very close to that rating, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll never live this down. I don't understand how you got... I mean, all right. I, I even envision myself like traveling back in time, sitting in a movie theater when I'm like eight years old or something like that. How old was I when this film came out? Nine, nine years old, and I'm like, would I eat? Would my nine year old meet like this movie? And the answer is hell no. This movie <laughs> terrible, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still it hold. I anyway, I'm not going to defend it. You said it's a D minus. It's a D minus. Uh, so it is my turn, and you gave me think like a man. Um, let me pull up IMDb here. You gave me think like a man. It came out in 2012. It was directed by Tim Story, who notably directed the Fantastic Four movies, the ones with Chris Evans. Uh, it stars Megan Good, Jerry Ferreira, Michael Early, Regina Hall, Kevin Hart, Tajiri P. Her name is Henson. Henson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's more. Like, there's. Um, uh, Romany Malco, who you know as the guy from Forty um, Year Old Virgin, Forty Year Old Virgin, um, Gabrielle Union, of course, uh, and then a cameo by Chris Brown, who um, also Kelly Rowland's in this. Uh, briefly, she has a cameo from um, Destiny's Child. Uh, yeah, was she yeah, buying the so, house at the end? I forgot, right? She was buying the house at the end, I think. No. Oh, no. That's such a good scene. Uh, but no, she was at the bar. The guy, the woman oh, that turns yeah. down Kevin Hart, and then um, uh, Zeke goes up to her, and he's able to pull the number. Yep. Uh, so this, this movie is about a group of friends, uh, a group of men, who are all having their different dating issues. And Kevin Hart narrates most of the movie. His character is mostly like the the big comic relief guy. His story doesn't really come into it uh, that much. Basically, he's getting a divorce and uh, all his friends are going through other things. So how I'm going to refer to these characters, because I can't remember them all, is there's the player, as Kevin Hart describes him, who is is Zeke, uh, who is played by Romany Malco. There is the mama's boy, who is played by Terrence J. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrence Jenkins. It's just billed as Terrence J. Uh, there is Jeremy, who is played by Jerry Ferreira. Uh, there's another guy who's the happily married guy. So uh, the That's Jeff in the film. I love it. Because every time when I was watching it, even when I watched it back then, I'm like, hey, he man, that's, that's is, Jeff. He's really funny. Uh, played by Gary Owens. You're talking about Bennett. And then mm-hmm. there's Michael Early, who plays the dreamer. 
And I think that's all of them. Uh, so basically, it's a story of four sp- relationships. Um, because the happily married guy who is Bennett really doesn't play that much of a role. He's just there to make one-liners and, and say things that are racist. And his friends are predominantly black, but he, they're not, like, overtly racist. I, like, so there's a scene... Okay, there's a couple... Un, uh, this came out in 2012, and it really shows you how much the world has changed since 2012, even. Because there's a lot of homophobic jokes in this movie. Things being called gay, like playing violin, which, you know, hasn't aged well. Um, one of the things I also texted Jason about was like, Chris Brown, did was he starring in this before or after the incident with Rihanna? And it was after. How this guy is getting film roles after beating his girlfriend is beyond me, but uh, I digress. I have to agree. Um, Heck, that definitely yeah, wouldn't go up. That wouldn't bode well now. Right. And the gay jokes wouldn't bode well now, but that's those two things. Uh, well, well, he, yeah, the, they, they would not float today, but uh, so this movie is about these men and also their love interests. And everything revolves around a book written by Steve Harvey called Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. And it's a real book. It's a real book actually written by Steve Harvey that's in the world. And there he is on a daytime talk show. And there's constant clips of him talking about this book, giving advice that is apropos to the women in this story. So the women in the story is... Let's start off with Maya. Uh, she ends up being the love interest of the player, Zeke. Maya is dating, like, is like on a one night. It's not meant to be a one night stand. She's not there for a one night stand with Chris Brown. Uh, but she wakes him up, puts some coffee by the bedside table, <laughs> including two cups of coffee, hers and his. And then she goes in the bathroom. He takes off, takes both coffees and calls her Megan. And she's like, it's my asshole. <laughs> and mind you, and, like he made the conscious decision. He left first with one cup. Right, with just one cup of coffee. <laughs> and he thinks about it, turns around and grabs the other and leaves. Um, then, uh, you know, so she's like, okay, she's tired of these guys who just hit it and quit it. And I can't remember how she comes across. Probably just saw Steve Harvey on TV. Then there's uh, Lauren, who is this wealthy entrepreneur executive woman very powerful and very accomplished who sees steve harvey on tv and steve harvey's telling this woman in the audience on the tv show saying the reason you can't get a man is your standards are way 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 too high you know maybe you just need to bring them down a little bit this scene happens immediately after he tells another steve harvey tells another woman on the show that maybe your standards are too low which is maya sees that i'm remembering now she's like okay maybe i need to raise my standard regina hall plays a single mother who's watching the show and steve harvey gives very good advice like most of the advice from steve harvey in this movie is really sound like i can't even poke holes in it it's great advice um but probably his best piece of advice is is don't wait if you're a, a mother a single mother, don't wait to tell your prospective man that you have a child. It shouldn't, because if you wait three months to tell him, you'll have wasted three months of time if he takes off. And um, that's great advice. Be open and honest. And, uh, you know, he gives really good advice. My only thing is, is this movie is such a commercial for this book. Like, there's so many eye-rolling moments where the characters stop and they say, well, you know, Steve Harvey says that, you know, and they quote the book and then they hold the book up here. I brought you a copy and they, you know, hand it to someone else. Like, I don't know the story of how this movie got financed, but it is a commercial for Steve Harvey's book. I Would you agree? Or did, I didn't even huh? buy it, but yep, I agree. It doesn't, whether you buy it or not, it's irrelevant. It's a, it's, it's a movie that is meant to sell copies of a book. 
which is crazy. Yeah. The surprising thing is, is that it's still really funny and better than a movie meant to sell one product should be. It's kind of like, you remember the movie Wizard? Mm-hmm. Or The Wiz? No, The Wizard. Where mm-hmm. they it's just to sell Super Mario Brothers 3, and that movie was awful. This <laughs> no. movie... You meant to sell the book. At least there's good stories here because you have four stories. Say, it's like great storytelling along with, you know, captured, uh, you know, discussions and decisions uh, for the book. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Right. It, it, it does a good job of there's these four situations where the book applies. Um, so we have our characters. I think I've hit them all. Um yeah, so Regina Hall, okay, and Gabrielle Union is dating Jeremy, and she's ready to get married, and he's not. He's immature, and they play up immaturity as being geeky. Uh, they almost equate it to the same thing, because he has all these posters, and he loves geeky things, but yeah, they equate like that to being immature. To Like he hasn't grown up in life, too. Yeah, They're kind of putting yeah, him down in that, that way. Right. Well, there is that. He has not matured, but it's not because he likes geeky things. And being geeky is... Like, the first step that Gabrielle Union takes is throws all his crap, not out, but boxes it up and gets it out, you know? Yep. Um, He holds on to his, you know, his favorite college, you know, his college dorm room couch, right? Yeah. And and his inability to keep a job, well, get his dream job, so... So I'm going to review this in, in, in two parts. I'm going to tell a story before there's a twist and and then the story after. Because <clears throat> each of these characters, their stories kind of pace at the same time. So Maya and Zeke meet at a bar and they go on a date. And Maya, after reading um, Steve Harvey's book, has decided she's going to put a 90-day rule, no sex with any potential partner for 90 days. So this kind of is almost reminiscent of the story of 40-year-old virgin where they kind of set these dates. She's even marking the calendar off saying, hey, you know, these dates. And so it's forcing Zeke and her to convince, to, to get to know each other, right? And she even takes advice from her best friend to wear really ugly underwear as a way where if she's tempted to sleep with him, she'll remember she has this embarrassing underwear on and, and that will get her to cut things off. Um, you know, which is, I, I think is good advice. Uh, and it works. It, it's pretty, it works <laughs> a couple times here in, in the movie. Um, and I got to say, this is normally your thing. You're normally the guy that grunts when there's a, like a, a good looking woman on the movie. Megan Good looks amazing in this movie. She's stunning to me. The girl, the actress who plays Maya. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm not going to grunt like you do, but she's <laughs> stunning. Um, and so they're dating and everything's going good. Uh, Zeke is an aspire, not an aspiring, but he used to be a singer and he's kind of given up on his dream a little bit, but Maya pushes him towards doing that. She has some connections at a record label thing, and she's making that happen for him. So we get there. That's the first half of their story. Um, and I'm forgetting scenes. So the whole time, so Zeke's house houses a lot of the scenes, and Kevin Hart is always at Zeke's house <laughs> yes. to the point where I think he just lives there. Like he even every, makes a Zeke joke. will come home. Like Zeke will be gone. And he'll come home, and Kevin Hart is just there, with the refrigerator open, drinking milk from the from the right. from the bottle. And then he's like bossing Zeke around. Zeke's like cooking, and he's like, and you know, he's got a good physique, and he's cooking. And uh, Kevin Hart's like, "Could you put a shirt on, man? Come on, no one else is here to see you." Just <laughs> it's like he just found it disturbing. <laughs> Kevin Hart's really good in this. Like he steals every scene he's in. Um, okay, so let's pick another story here. So we got um, Regina Hall and the mama's boy. They meet at a bookstore. They apparently were in uh, school together, and he's matured, and he's a much more handsome-looking guy. And, of course, she looks amazing. And he's like, hey, I'd like to take you out to- sometime. She goes, or can we go get a coffee right now? She's like, no, i got to pick up my son. 
And he goes, oh, you have a son. And so she immediately is prepared for this to shut down any relationship they're going to have. But he's like, okay, how about tomorrow? He clearly doesn't care that she is a single mom, doesn't bother him. So that's very encouraging to her. She's already let him know up front, hey, I have a son and, you know, you need to be okay with that. So right off the bat, we're doing everything by the book. Doing just it right, the, you know. Just as the book she's described. literally at the bookstore buying the Steve Harvey book. Yep. Uh, and so they're getting along pretty well until they go to his mom's house. He brings Regina home to meet his mother, and the mama's boy Terrence J. The mama's boy is just that. Like, and not only is he a mama's boy, but she's like particularly controlling over him like sees that this woman and she immediately hates regina hall like starts talking trash like she's like doesn't even kind of call her by her right name oh tandis right. like her name her. is candace but he calls she calls her tandis <laughs> and whose name is tandis mm-hmm. yeah so she um mama as I'll say, uh, the mama's boy mom is immediately making him like so far as Regina Hall's, oh, I've heard so much about you. And the mama's boy, oh, I've heard nothing about you. And uh, Terrence J is going, what are you talking about? We talked about her last night, you know, and they go into his room and his childhood bedroom and you find out that he stays there on Sunday nights. Sunday nights are for mama and they always will be. And so mom is trying to break this relationship up and, you know, Regina Hall can tell, Hey, this guy, it's kind of worrisome. It's a huge red flag as it should be. Um, so we head to, uh, to Jerry Henson, uh, to Taraji Henson, excuse me. Uh, she plays a, again, a wealthy, successful woman and she has high standards. And unlike the rest of the women in this movie, she's resistant to Steve Harvey's ideas. She calls it a silly book. She just doesn't want anything to do with it. She thinks that her standards are just fine. Uh, so she's meeting Regina Hall at a restaurant, their best friends, and they're discussing their love life. And there's a chef behind the line who's played by Michael L. Ely. And he's one of the guys in the group. And he's the, the dreamer. dreamer. Like, he has dreams of being a chef. and uh, But he's just a line cook right now. And they have him actually doing some valet. They pull him from the kitchen to do valet, which is weird to me. But I used to work in a restaurant. And that that's kind of nuts. But, um... So he pulls uh, a really expensive car up, but then he notices that um, Lauren, who's the character's name, sees him and she's like, ooh, he's a good looking guy. So he chases her down in this like Ferrari or whatever, and he can't even get the damn windows open to try to talk to her at the stoplight. Uh, So he just opens the door and, you know, they set up a date for whenever and... But again, he's a line cook. He doesn't make a lot of money. He got fired from that job he was just at for taking this customer's car. And, um, but they start dating and pretty much immediately he gets found out that he's not this successful chef, but that he is actually working catering at an event that she's speaking at. So they find out pretty quick, but uh, Regina Hall talks her into continuing the relationship because, A, he's a really good dude and he likes her and he doesn't treat her like trash and they have a really good rapport and he cares about her and they have a lot of, they have everything else that you want in a relationship, but she can't get past the, the fact that he doesn't make a lot of money. She she requires her partner to be as successful as she is. Yep. But they're and still she's dating. Basically, and she's basically like a CEO of a company. So she's, right. she's really wealthy. Like her first scene you see her and she's running on a treadmill in her huge Skyrise apartment that's, this is what, New York City? I believe. And I honestly can't remember what city it's in. It might have been Chicago, but. Um, and it, no, it definitely wasn't Chicago. 
I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But she's in one of these tall, high-rise, super expensive apartments. Um, and I think that's all our relationships. Oh, no. We got to get to Gabrielle Union and, and Jeremy. So, like I said, Gabrielle Union wants to get married. He doesn't care. She, uh, well, he does care, but he's just not motivated. He's a really kind of laid-back guy. And he doesn't know how to set his priorities. And so she throws his stuff out, makes him get a job. And this relationship is one of the ones that just isn't really going that great, at least for Jeremy. He's not happy. She's making him apply for jobs and, you know, all this. And so basically all the guys, not all of them, but Dominic, who's played by Michael, that's the dreamer. He is perfectly happy. He's actually doing everything right, you know. Um, he's doesn't really need to grow that much. Uh, he's a good dude, right? Um, Don't forget this uh, most, one relationship you have. Don't forget Kevin Hart. He is a divorced. Yeah, yeah, he's I divorced. Said, yeah, oh, I said that, but it doesn't really. You don't see his his ex wife until very late in the movie. She plays very little role. Other than a couple scenes where he's on the phone yelling and she's yelling back. I, mean, I know that he plays the comic relief for sure, but he does play in the, the decisions that it make. Like everything he, he says, he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't want to see anybody in the relationship that he's in. He, he thinks that this marriage is not, is not for, is not conducive in a relationship. He doesn't. Uh, that's true. Yeah. He's so. definitely, so you have, um, you have Bennett, who's the happily married guy, who's like, hey, marriage is great if you do it right. And then Kevin Hart would play the opposite side of that, saying marriage is terrible. You should be a free man. Yep. Um. Okay. So about halfway. So this is a romantic comedy, and it follows a lot of romantic comedy tropes. The main one being that someone is acting or pretending to be someone that they are not. They get found out. And then the other party has to figure out a way to get this hurt lover back. It's the plot of almost every romantic comedy I've ever seen. Yeah, it follows that, I mean, that line. Uh, to the so, right. So the men find out that these women are using Steve Harvey's book and uh, with the exception of Dominic, again, the chef, they all are like, we can use this to take advantage of what our women want from us and we can kind of get what we want. But the, Dominic sees the thing that says um, that he needs to be a man with potential and he uses this as a way to self-grow. Like, he's really a good dude. Like, he's like, oh, I need to make changes in my life for me. Uh, you know, and so he goes on and he cooks a terrific meal for uh, Lauren and she's like, oh, this is great. So she's starting to get over her prejudices against him not being a wealthy man and sees that he's got a lot of potential. But like immediately after this amazing night, her old love interest from Chicago, I think, comes to town and she immediately is like, oh, here we go. This is what I want. He's successful. He's good looking. He has everything I want. And she's like almost immediately forgetting about um, Dominic. Uh, well, she's having dinner with Dominic and then she realizes that he's kind of boring. All he does is talk about business and, and so especially she a business decides, he doesn't even have, right. Oh, you're talking and, about, um, oh, you're talking about the, when she has dinner with the successful guy. Right. Okay. And yeah, 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 yeah. he just so became she, a CEO and all that. The youngest right. fortune 500 CEO. So. She ends up wanting him back. Uh, they end up getting back together because she begs forgiveness. But he's bought himself a food truck. And he's actually investing in himself. But then she sees that he has self-respect. Anyway, they get back together. Right. Okay. And that's the um, very, very end of the film. Very, very. This is the last scene. But I wanted to wrap his story up. So, uh, <laughs> so Gabrielle Union is like um, a real estate agent. And she's selling this house and this couple comes in and the woman's pregnant in this couple and they are always looking. So, uh, basically Gabrielle Union finds out that Jeremy lied about applying for a job. And 
So she's mad at him. And so to make it up to her, he goes to her and begs forgiveness, buys a ring, proposes to her, says, I'm going to get it. You know, I got a job uh, at Neversoft, who, who those who don't know at the time, I think was making the Tony Hawk games. But um, he gets a job and says, I'm going to buy you a house. And, and the, the guy and his wife are looking at the house looking to buy they're ready to close <laughs> yeah. on this big house and they're like yeah there you go son and then jeremy turns and goes i'm gonna buy you this house and the guy the, the man <laughs> trying to buy the house is like hold the hell up yeah not my <laughs> house what you doing <laughs> um so they get together everything's fine let's run through this real quick uh maya finds so maya kind of amends her 90 day rule and says if she can get the three magic words out of zeke then she will sleep with him. Well, she gets him a meeting with some record exec or something. And so he goes, oh, I love you. And that's enough for her to say, okay, he's ready for us to be intimate. And so they're intimate. She wakes up the next morning. He's gone. But there's a card that says, hey, I just went to the store. I'm going to get us breakfast. I'll be right back. So clearly he's not leaving. This isn't a one night stand for him. But she finds that he has... Steve Harvey's book in his book stand and is marked at the 90 day rule. And she's like mad at him when he comes home and he's, yeah, I got you this girl. I get you that. And she goes, well, you got the cookie, which is the term for her vagina. And he's like, yeah, but you know, I didn't, you know, like, so the whole thing, I don't know because you don't read the book, but it's my understanding that Maya, made the I love you rule herself. It's not in the book. So there's no way Zeke would know that saying I love you would get him in bed with her. So I think that's a little unfair. (laughs) He's also back. I don't know. So she gets mad and leaves, right? Um, Because she also discovered that he used the book. And I think it was in there where he said those magic words. And then that's basically... It might have been. Yeah, and then but so I didn't he, pick that up in the movie. She picked it up so that she saw that he used the book against her, that he said those three words, and that she that's why they're able to sleep. So she's just on the assumption that he just wanted to get in there and then get out, as all her other, other relationships have been. Right. So he plays a song for her at a coffee shop and then goes outside and begs for her to come back to him, and they get back together. And he's learned a lesson. This is the woman he wants. He's no longer a player. All right. All right. We're down to Mama's Boy. I think that's the last one. And then, well, (laughs) let's just say Kevin Hart, after all his friends get back together, decides he wants to get back with his ex-wife. And everyone knows that Kevin Hart is a small man. He's a shorter man, right? And his wife is very tall, very imposing woman. And so they stand next to Yeah. Well, it's... (laughs) Is Wendy Williams really that big, or is it just because she's standing next to, um, you know, Kevin Hart? Because to me, the contrast was huge. And Dude, maybe I'm, Wendy Williams is I'm, just naturally a tall woman. She's almost six foot. She's like five foot ten. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so they get back together, and it's a it, it's kind of brief, but uh, so basically, Mom's boy has changed his mom's phone number on his phone to say work. And when she calls, he it says work, and basically he's using that as a way to say, hey, I'm not a mama's boy, you know, I'm doing what you need. And she really wants um, Terrence J to come to this family reunion, uh, but she ends up answering one of these work calls and finds out that it's really his mom, so she's mad because he's been lying to her. She's not really mad that he's been in touch with his mom, but he's being dishonest. So he makes it up to her by going to this family reunion and professing his love and telling his mom that, you know, I'm going to be with her, deal with it. But by this point, his mom has found a love interest by reading Steve Harvey's book. Boy, this is a lot going on because these so these four stories are really so condensed. There's not really a lot of downtime. Anyway, they all get back together. Everything's fine. Everyone's happy. And we roll credits. Good Lord. Feel like I've been talking for an hour. Yeah, that's a very good <sighs> film, man. I got a puddle full of ones and I ain't got no draws. <laughs> when they're trying to go to the club. 
scene when he was oh so one was the name the wet butt cracker one of the strip clubs was like the nasty crack but they were going to the the booby barn or whatever i, I don't Something remember like the that. name of these, these and the song clubs, but that dude, the song of, that they play like every time they're in that party bus that booty that booty and <laughs> that booty <laughs> yeah it's, there's a scene where uh Kevin Hart's trying to hook up with the mama's boy's mom. <laughs> yeah. He has, like a, he has a big ass plate. Like she had cooked Sunday dinner or something like that. He has a big ass plate and he's like walking around his house. And I think he even has his robe on or something walking through his house. No, he's fully dressed, but he's like, hey, okay. uh, how old's your mom? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't, there's a lot of just great one liners. This is a pretty funny movie. Like, I'm surprised. The fir- so the first half of the movie, like I said, is pretty much a commercial for Steve Harvey's book. The second half of the movie, you actually kind of get more into the storytelling. Um, it's a pretty good comedy. It is a romantic comedy, and it follows pretty much all of the tropes uh, that you would come to expect from a romantic comedy. Uh, so what do you have to say for this movie before I give it a letter grade? No, I think you covered it very eloquently, man. I'm glad. It, it yeah. sounds like you enjoyed it, too. So I, got I it. did enjoy it. I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, there were some lines that just caught me off guard. The, the, oh, I can't remember all of them now. I've watched it twice, and now I'm blinking on. But they play basketball together, and there's a lot of good smack talk around the basketball court. Oh, hell, they oh, didn't play professional so the, fo- uh, basketball right, players. So that's the other scene. So they're at the basketball court. And Ron Artest, Meta World Peace himself, shows up. And if you don't know, he's an NBA basketball player who's known for, like, getting tons of flagrant fouls and and being kind of a a brute on the court. But he comes up and he's like, hey, we want to play full court. And Kevin Hart only sees Ron Artest. And he's like, all right, we'll play you for it. And everybody's like, you see how big this guy is? And then Lisa Leslie the legendary WNBA players shows up and then like a bunch of, I think Ron Livingston and there's a couple other who I take to be NBA players, but I don't necessarily recognize all of them come up. And so it's a squad full of just professional basketball players. And Gilder's like, I didn't know that they had a whole team. And then it cuts (laughs) away and I'm like, Oh, what are we not going to get to see this? But actually, at the end credits, they show the basketball game of the just them just getting destroyed. And then um, even Kevin Hart was like, when he's like, he's like, man, we're going to get this. And he goes, I got him. <laughs> oh, he goes, I got her. And he, he chooses yeah, the, the guard. Uh, like the, Lisa Leslie's Lisa not going to just destroy <laughs> Kevin Hart. Like, uh, it's, it's, that was a great scene. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. I, I'm waffling on my letter grade because. There's a lot that I didn't like, but it did make me laugh a lot. And there's a lot of genuine good jokes. Uh, I'm going to say it's a B minus. Nice. B minus. Yeah, it's, it's a worthwhile put, romantic put that, comedy. Put that right in Excel sheet right now before I forget. Perfect. All right, there you have it, folks. We have our two movies watched. Jeff watched Think Like a Man, gave it a B minus, and I watched Virtu- Virtuosity. And I gave it a D minus. That's another uh, week where you win. <laughs> I'm a, we're we're going to move over to the favorite part of, of the episode uh, or the podcast. Uh, Jeff's favorite and my favorite is where we give each other the movie that are going to be watching uh, next week. Uh, you go first because I'm still picking. I, I got to meditate on this. So you pick right. first. All right. So the movie I'm going to give you. Uh, I, I kind of went back and forth too. I haven't given you a lot of these genres, but I'm gonna go ahead and give it to you. It is a horror movie, um, okay. and when I say that the movie is dark, I mean that um, in the most literal sense because it is a spelunking movie. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought when you said it is dark, I was gonna get lights out. No, it's literally dark okay. because they're in caves the entire time. Oh, and, I know what this is. Yep. So I mean, I don't yeah, know any of the characters. Like I like these like Natalie Mendoza, I don't know where she's from. Uh Shauna McDonald, don't know her. Melissa Ferraro. I know the movie, so I'm gonna look it up. But I'll I'll let you build up suspense, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I mean Because you've uh, talked about it before. Yes. So this movie 
Um, it was made in 2005. They made a sequel. Don't watch that if you're listening to this right now. Don't watch the sequel. Horrible. Um, it, the movie is called The Descent. And uh, I'm not going to give you even a synopsis of it because um, it's fantastic. Uh, but long story short, friends go spelunking into a cave. And uh, it's a horror movie. So you'll figure it out after that. All right. Where can I watch it? Uh, you can watch it uh, on Prime if you have Amazon Amazon Prime. Oh, that's right. Okay. All right. So that sounds good. Horror movie. I, your last horror movie pick was um, your next, and I really enjoyed that. So here's hoping. Um, this is a movie that I can't believe you haven't seen, but maybe it just pre. It came out in '98. How old were you then? I was twelve. Yeah, twelve. Twelve. It's one that I think when I say, like, you'll even be like, oh, yeah, I have seen that. But it, this is an absolute classic. This is a great action movie. It stars Antonio Banderas, Anthony Hopkins, Catherine Zeta-Jones. It's directed by Martin Campbell. came out in 1998. Any guesses? No. It stars the masked man himself. You're going to be watching The Mask of Zorro. The mask. It is Zorro. on Netflix. Oh, that's yeah, Antonio Banderas. He's Zorro. Yeah, Banderas. You know, anytime I think of Zorro, man, what was that movie with uh, the dude? I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> think of like, like in, <laughs> and think like a man, right? I said, uh, man, Maya looked gorgeous. It's just sometimes there's some characters in movies that are just stunning. And this is the first time I saw Catherine Zeta-Jones, and she's stunning in this movie. Like, drop, dead, stunner. You know what my favorite Catherine Zeta-Jones movie? The one with uh, James Bond. What's his damn name? Oh, uh, Pierce Brosnan? No, the other, the original James Bond. Sean Connery? Yeah, oh, Sean Connery. Um... Like, she's like going underneath anyway yeah that's the laser yeah. it's a class it's a classic like scene where she's going under a laser beam i don't remember the name of it i want to say x versus sever but that's totally not it that's another antonio banderas movie but anyway that's our movies uh for next week so be sure to give them a watch if you have any of these streaming services uh our music is provided to us by sir flame he actually has a new single out be sure to check out sir flame's new single off the script it is available wherever you stream music. Uh, you can follow him. Bro, that single's tight. It's real good. He also has another single. You know how... So Jason and I have been testing our earbuds out, testing our headphones, and you want to find something with a deep bass to test your earbuds? He has another track called Settle the Score, which is real good, but it's perfect if you need some deep bass to test out your headphones and see how they sound. So definitely check that out as well. That's Sir Flame, S-I-R space, F-L-A-M-E, wherever you listen to music. Yeah. Uh, and that's us. That's our show for this week. Uh, anything to add? Thanks for listening, y'all. Yeah, we'll see you next time yeah. on Film Soliloquy. Yeah, like we always do at this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold But when winter come around, we would play in the snow They had enough North Swag, so I made it